0: Welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast. I'm your host, John Barker. We have a returning champion today, Boyan Simit. He is the CEO of Hyper, H-Y-P-R, no E in it, whose mission is to rid the world of passwords. They have a phishing-proof multi-factor authentication program. They have raised over $70 million in revenue from companies such as Comcast, MasterCard, and Samsung, to name a few. William also serves as Hyper's Delegate to the FIDO, the Fast Identity Online Alliance uh, Board of Directors, and again, whose whole mission is to get rid of the world of passwords, and they just released a press release that was uh, last week about doubling revenue over the previous year, so I want to thank William for coming on and also say congratulations on the success.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here again, and I appreciate the congratulations, although in the startup world, you're expected to double revenue every year, so
0: hey. Hey, you know, that's... (laughs) Just we keep saying that's always it's always feel good. So one of the one of the things that I think we dove into on the first one a lot about the technology, kind of your background. But I think and I think you even mentioned it, and it was uh, my feeling as well. Really, what is that process? A deeper dive in that process of going through the as you called it, painful experience of trying to raise venture capital, because maybe there's a lot of people out there now. You, you see this stuff all the time. There's a guy in the There's a hashtag out there called We Hack Health, And it's a group of basically tech professionals in the fitness. So they just rang the bell on the, the New York Stock Exchange yesterday. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. I can't remember something zero. T- Chris, don't, if you hear this, don't <laughs> yell at me for not remembering that. But anyway, but being able to go through that process, what your end vision is looking to as you grow. And I wanted to have that, that, more in-depth conversation so to kick that off how did when you came up with we've got i've got a better tool i got a better solution to get rid of passwords and we want to really try to drive this forward is this like a couple guys in a garage scenario like the google startup where was that how did that begin
1: yeah it was like that except we were in new york city and we met at a bitcoin meetup but yeah (laughs) it's very similar but yeah look it all starts out with just an idea or talking about a problem statement you know, hey, there's this problem, ours was, gee, there's a lot of fraud happening out there. And if you look at the least common denominator, it's because of the way that people are authenticating to things. And so from that point on out, you just get a few reasonably intelligent people in the room, but ones that are very stubborn as well, and don't like to give up on things, no matter how bleak an <laughs> outlook might be. And then you you know, start to build technology and, and you take it step by step. And eventually, you need more and more capital to keep growing the business, and that's when you go out and you put your hands out to venture <laughs> capital investors, and hopefully, some of them take a bet on you.
0: So, with you guys, what did you have a baseline of a minimum viable product, and MVP, that you guys got functioning first? Do you did you have some market test, a couple of small clients that you were trying to prove the concept before you started getting to that area of going, hey? We've taken it this far with our small team, but now we really need to ramp up. What What were some of the milestones or checkpoints that you had before even starting going down the VC path?
1: Yeah, so there are like really four T's. That is what we call them in technology or in, in building a company when you're looking to raise capital. The four T's are technology, right? Is the tech good? The second one is traction. What traction do you have with your technology and with your product? The third one is timing. Is the thing that you have going to make an impact? Is it going to be a viable business in the immediate to short term? And then four is the team. And if you have all four, that's phenomenal. That means you're probably not going to have a very difficult time raising venture capital. If you did you know that?
0: Did you know those four T's when you started, or did you learn that? Was that a learning? I learned all of those
1: (laughs) the hard way. Cause that sounded
0: very polished and you've done that before. And I'm like, hold on a second, did you know that going into this?
1: No, actually. (laughs) And when we first started, we didn't have any of those. Myself and my co-founders were first time founders. And that immediately takes the team part out of it completely. Not only are we first time founders, but we also have never really built anything historically of consequence. You know, you got a lot of people right now that raise venture capital because they were employee 120 at Google or whatever, and they go out and raise money. And that's why you see all these people on LinkedIn with X Google, X Facebook, X whatever, as part of their fundraising strategy. We didn't have any of that. So the team thing was just completely shot. Timing, it was debatable. We were going to people and saying, you need need to get rid of passwords. And while everybody's, yeah, passwords are terrible. I don't like passwords. Is the timing for adoption in the immediate term So that was very much debatable whether or not we had that. And I'll tell you right now, at that time, this is circa 2015, we did not have it. So we had to look at traction and technology. And so we went out and we built an MVP and we talked to some potential customers about it. We polished it. And then we basically came to the understanding that if we want to raise any venture capital money whatsoever, we had to get traction with the technology that we had built. And it wasn't until we did that in a meaningful way that we actually were able to secure funding. There are many people today that are able to get funding without any sort of MVP or product, but it's because they have the team and the timing pieces much more fleshed out.
0: Did you go into – so did you go into the process of going, hey, we've got this idea. We, we want to build this solution set. This is the problem we're trying to solve. Did you go into it knowing at some point we're going to go have to raise money to really get this where we're going? Or was that kind of you, – you, you went so far and you're like, oh, wow, we, we need help.
1: No, How we knew No, we knew that we were going to need capital and a fair amount of – none of us are independently wealthy to the point where we can just not – have a paycheck for years and years uh, sure. to try to bootstrap a business. So for us, we always knew that we needed uh, capital. So it was always a race against the clock. Of okay, when's when are our families and loved ones going to get sick and tired of us draining through our savings account and not paying <laughs> the bills to the point where we have to pull the parachute and possibly get a real job? To so it's that that was always the balance, and it's not always the easiest conversation to have with people who depend on you
0: sure did so you you go through the process you got your mvp you've gotten some you're getting some traction you're getting some good feedback at the point that you said okay we think we're good enough to go out there and start doing some outreach. What did that prep work look like when you thought you had, you reached that base?
1: In those early days, and this was our first time doing it, you just Google it. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and people's blog posts come up and all that type of stuff. And the first thing you do is you put together a pitch deck. And, and mm-hmm. in that pitch deck, you you're, you should have plenty of market data. You should have plenty of research. We had some of that some of it we did not. And really, we didn't pick any particular point in time. We just started sending out feelers, crafting different messaging that we thought might resonate with potential investors. And look, these investors, they love talking to founders. They love talking to startups. It's literally their job, right? So any one of them will typically take a meeting with you if what you have is compelling enough and the market is potentially big enough. That's the easiest part of it.
0: One of the things that, and, and I wish I could find it. I read a book on venture capital probably 10 years ago and I couldn't find it. It lost it to time. One of the things that I, I remember reading is that they, there's, a, there was a balance between the idea, but also the, the kind of the founding teams, their personality and their drive. Did you find some of that in the early phases where people were trying to fill you out as a person, as much as the business idea that was behind there to see if you had the, the drive, the chops or whatever, uh, those intangible characteristics are.
1: Yeah, look, the, that that's critical because the T I mentioned the four T's T the team is probably the most important one by far. And so that's why a lot of times people raising venture capital with a good team without any sort of product or anything else, it is very rare that. A group of people will, or a set of founders will, raise capital without without a good team. They have to have just overwhelming traction. Like we we have to have we had to have a fairly significant amount of revenue with marquee customers before we were able to raise venture capital because we did not have we were not able to check the team checkbox because we just weren't proven enough. And if you're an investor. A uh, venture capital investor, you're looking to invest in a group of people that you think will ultimately grow the business ten, a hundred times from what it is today, and that just requires experience.
0: So, and I guess going through those, I remember you saying, I believe it was you were rejected seventy eight times. Yeah. During that process, what? And I remember we briefly touched on it, but when you were when you would do your pitch. Were you getting feedback of going, hey, you're missing this? Or were they keeping their, hearts, their cards close to the chest to, for whatever reason? But for you to be able to iterate your presentation next time or go fill those gaps that you're missing, whether it was in the team or you needed more marquee clients or something like that, were you getting actionable feedback from that process?
1: Yeah, some of them will give you very good feedback, like the investors that really take the time to understand what you're trying to solve. They will give you really good feedback, uh, even if they choose not to invest at in that point in time. But a, a lot of them will just say, you know, the, the timing is right for this type of solution. Uh, let's talk again next year. So that's a very typical response. Or my favorite is, let's stay in touch. We'll see how your quarter finishes, and then maybe we'll have a, <laughs> another conversation. So the thing is, they will, it is very rare for an investor to just tell you absolutely no. Okay. Because they want to keep their options open with you at all times but most of them will say okay not right now or let's talk later and so on and so forth and frankly that's okay because the founder investor relationship is not one that just comes out of nowhere a lot of the investors that we work with today and the ones we worked with in the beginning we had pitched them three or four times we had known them for a year plus by -hmm. that point so they had seen us pitch to them, get feed, give us feedback, us reiterate our approach, improve our pitch, improve our product, get more traction, come back to them and say, look, we still haven't given up. We still believe in this. These are the improvements that we made. Look at it. And only then were we able to actually get investments. So all the investors that gave us, gave us funding in our first funding round, we had known already for quite some time and had pitched them multiple times and had been turned okay. down multiple times by them yeah okay
0: so when you're talking about the all the number of rejections you went through before you finally got that first hit that may have been somebody may have it may have been the same one have said not yet not yet not yet oh okay now we're ready no that was, was that or,
1: that was 78 different investors oh
0: okay, okay that's what i was getting to i'm like or was that truly 78 no, so no. so it was probably a lot more than that. how hard is that where you think every time you're near do you you. All right, we got it this time, and to keep how do you because there's that mental there's that mental thing there. How how do you know to keep pushing through that?
1: It can be heartbreaking, especially like once you get to the point where you get through that initial meeting, and then you get to the broader partner meetings, and then you're presenting to an entire group of investors that work at that firm, and then you think the pitch went extremely well, and then still doesn't happen. Like those are the worst ones. It's just about being resilient. It's about having conviction in what you're doing and sticking to it for as long as you possibly can. There are many great ideas out there, many great products out there, many great MVPs that have been built that just didn't have the right founders in place who are willing to stick it out to take the company to the next level. And sometimes that's really all it takes.
0: So what was the process like when you were told, yeah, we're going to stroke you a check?
1: It was like, okay, how much? It was about, this is where all the paperwork comes into play. Because at this point, you're a small company, handful of people. You have to get all your legal stuff in place. You have to-
0: I was going to ask about
1: that. Uh, get your company's uh, valuation. Uh, you have to incorporate the proper way. Are you a Delaware Corp? All that stuff. <laughs> So- all of the paperwork stuff happens. All the background checks happen, everything else. And then you start walking or slowly jogging on the on the venture capital treadmill and there is no getting off. <laughs> Once you're
0: what do, okay. it. Elaborate. What do, what do you mean by the venture capital treadmill?
1: So typically what you do is when you go to raise venture capital, like you have a discussion with your investor who is your partner now. So any investor that chooses to go to their committee and say, I believe in this company. I believe in these founders. We need to invest in them. They're putting their neck on the line of it as well. So you're really partnering with the investor. And it's very important to have a great relationship there. So what you do is you talk about how much money you need and how much money they're willing to invest. And then you come up with about what you're going to do with that money, what you're going to spend it on and in what period of time. And so, typically, you will come up with a two-year budget. Two, it means okay. You get you get a chunk of money, and you need to come up with a two-year budget of what you're going to do with that money to spend that money over a two-year period. Because investors have to recognize value for their investment at some point in time. So it's not like they're it's not like they're get, getting any residual income or or revenue or anything based on their investment they don't actually recognize value or they don't actually cash out anything unless your business is acquired or you go public. So they're just sitting there in limbo, more or less. So you really come up, have to come up with a two-year budget typically to spend that money. And hopefully within those two years, you've spent that money appropriately to the point where you've gotten more proof points in those four T's to get another venture capital funding round. Okay.
0: So that's when you go from, what do they call it? Round A, round B, round yeah. C or something. Okay. Now, when you get this, I, are, are you looking for more than just the, the capital resources? Are they bringing part of their network into this? Are they bringing additional management oversight because they've had resources that have been there, done that you know, type of thing? Are they bringing that to the table as well to help accelerate your ramp?
1: Yeah, a lot of investors uh, have taken – so traditionally, venture capital investors, decades ago, they provided primarily capital. But in the last 20 years or so, primarily in the last 10 years, really, venture capital investors have really started to build out additional value adds that they provide to their portfolio companies. So some of our investors have been just amazing in helping us recruit like helping us get really good senior people to help take take the company to the next level. Other investors have been better at, you know, making introductions to potential customers. Others have been really good at helping us get our stuff together with regards to our back office processes. How do you, like, you're a small company, you just raise some capital, you don't have money to hire a full-time lawyer team, so they will lend you their attorneys or they will provide you with paperwork and templates for meeting certain regulatory requirements or things like that stuff that you as a founder coming from maybe a technical background, know nothing about, but there's, they're, they're ready to help you with a lot of those things that you may not have no idea. Like how do you do payroll? I don't know. Like if you ask me today, I have no idea, <laughs> but like when we got our first investors, like they helped us with that.
0: Gotcha. Now, was- Does it make the subsequent rounds then as you continue to bump up your four Ts, you're getting more higher quality clients, you can sit there and go, hey, look who's invested in this now. Did that make the subsequent rounds much easier then, or did you still face some resistance in that process?
1: It can be much easier depending on how well your business is doing. So we've done four rounds of venture capital now. There have been rounds that were far easier, and there have been rounds that have been pretty difficult just depending on how well you're doing in those different areas. And it also really just all depends on the investor too. Sometimes you'll have more, you'll have investors who are bolder in their thinking, who believe in the big vision of the company and they're not so, they don't care so much about the nitty gritty details as much. They all care about them, but some don't care about them as much. Whereas you'll have more conservative investors where they're like, they just look at the Excel spreadsheet and if the numbers Mm -hmm. don't make sense they're not going to be able to move forward. And so it's about finding a balance because sometimes if you just have pie-in-the-sky type of investors, then everything is rosy all the time until it really isn't. And then they tend to behave differently at that point.
0: Did Was there any reshaping and when you finally get this, you start getting the advisement from your investors, reshaping the business model or tweaking a little bit of what you are aiming for target demographics or things of that nature that – from where your initial path was, where you had to, you took a sidestep to go forward in a different path at all? Or were you able to maintain the initial, your original vision before you went the venture capital route?
1: Yeah, it evolves. And your investors will help you ultimately on figuring out the right go to market strategy if that's what they know how to do. And typically, investors, like with venture capital investors, a lot of people think that, like, you get a venture capital investor, they come in and they just tell you what to do. That's hasn't been our experience whatsoever. Uh, our investors have always just come in and said, "Okay, guys, this is what our portfolio companies that are outperforming significantly have in common." And here it is. Take advantage of it if you want to, but we're not <laughs> going to tell you what to do. Gotcha. So for them, tell you to do anything in particular, but they will provide the guidance. It's about how you take that guidance. Sometimes if you're a first-time founder like myself you have a bit of a imposter syndrome at all times or you're sitting in a room where it's my first time being on a company board the person i'm sitting across from is on the board of 10 companies and has been doing this for 25 (laughs) years what the hell do i know so it can be a bit of an imposter syndrome and but the fact is you just have to understand that they will never understand your business the way you do not that you should take the things that they say or advise with a grain of salt but just take it as input into making your business better because, and they completely understand that. So yes, our approach has changed in some regards, but the core value of our product and our business still is the same.
0: going for? Just a brief snippet, because I've never shared, you, shared this with you before. I was 22, I was part of a, a startup that received a eight figure investment after I'd been there for a year and a half. And we knew that was the part of the goal. And some stuff was not shared with us, and I had ran entire network operations at this point, at this place. And no kidding, we went from Tuesday, it was one way, and Wednesday, there was like an army of new people that just showed up and blew the place apart from where it had been before. And that had just been my own single experience, again, almost 20 years ago at this point. And I didn't know if that was across the the board or, or how that kind of functioned, or if it was the... Here's your thing. We're going to be your advisors and and try to help you because obviously they want to return on their investment at some point, some future point down the road. Uh, how often do you have to now that you sit there, you've got this new partner involved. How often uh, do you meet to to have to say, here's the checkpoints that we're going on, milestone updates or court like quarterly meetings or annual? I don't know.
1: Yeah. So we have like quarterly board meetings with everybody and then, but I will have as a CEO, I'll have touch points with certain board members, some bi-weekly, others monthly, just to make sure that we stay aligned and we're on the same page. Cause the thing that everybody hates is surprises right yeah, so right. <laughs> you never want to show up to a board meeting and you you unveil something on a slide and people are like whoa why did you know why didn't <laughs> you tell me this two months ago i could have helped you with it staying on the same page with investors is critical but at the same time kind of understanding when it's too much because a lot of them truly do want to be helpful but sometimes they can be too helpful and and so finding that balance with each investor is different. So I have investors that I talk about the details when we get on a call all the time. And then investors where we talk about more abstract topics. It's just about knowing who can help with what and when uh, and how to leverage that relationship.
0: Wait, you just brought something and just hit me. you went through different rounds so you got a ton of different investors in there are you meeting with these guys each one individually or do you do this in like a a group or is there like a group setting where everybody that has a a piece sits at the table with that
1: so at the board meetings everybody comes and so typically when you when you have a company board you have board directors and you have board observers so not every investor is a board director (coughs) and so really the observers have an ability to come to the board meetings, ask questions, be part of the conversation. But when it comes to voting on certain things, the directors are the ones who okay. uh, do that. And so I, I tend to have regular touch points with all of my directors and with my observers. They're. Less free.
0: With the way that the, and I don't want to, I'm going to preface this with, I don't want you to obviously disclose anything that you feel is like a internal company secret type stuff. So we can keep it generic if you want, but what are, you've went through this process now, you went through four rounds. What are the return on investment expectations, like time frame? timeframe? Stuff I've read is most places are looking for a 10X return because they know not everything is going to be a hit when they're venture capital. So they got to make up for those ones that don't. But what, you're having those pitch meetings, you finally get it. Do you have expectations of, hey guys, we we like what you've got going on. We expect you to either be acquired or go public IPO within a decade or five years or something like that. Do they start putting the parameters around that to get adjusted as you see how the market takes shape?
1: So they don't, your investors will never, at least from my experience, they'll never tell you like what you should do. The expectation for them is, to have a event within five to 10 years. And depending on when they invested and how much they invested, that their expected return will be. And so really, I've never really had the conversation with any of our investors around exactly what timeline they have an expectation. That they understand that we're growing a business and every single year we need to be making meaningful progress, like everybody's. And if that happens, then the outcome that everybody wants will occur. So like, Typically, you know, yes, investors do want a 10x return. Of course, a lot of them are happy with a three to five x. Again, depending on how long they have had that capital committed. If you invest in something today and then a year later you get a three to five x return, that's damn good. But if you invest something today and then seven years later you get a 10x return, that's you're equally happy in that regard. And then there's companies of Companies that become companies of consequence where an investor can say I was the first investor in that company and like the fir- the guy that first invested in Google because those types of reputational investments improve your standing within the entrepreneur community because the venture capital landscape is very competitive. These guys compete with each other all the time on deals and that reputation is really important to them.
0: I knew employee number 30 at AOL, pre-IPO. He retired at 32. (laughs) So, there, yeah, that's my claim to fame from 20 years ago. (laughs) Obviously, is AOL around anymore? (laughs) Do do you guys have – the product that you have with Hyper can be considered very niche in the cybersecurity space. Is part of your growth strategy, and again, feel free to – disregard the question, but to acquire other technologies to make it more encompassing other areas or you, what's your or is it just continuing to expand your the, the product in its current state? Yeah, I think the uh, client ba- excuse me, the client base in, the, in its current state. Yeah, our state, primary
1: so. strategy is, is to kill the password right now. So <laughs> when I, I think that some people would consider it niche in the security space. Absolutely. But when we think about the companies that come to mind when you think about a startup or a successful tech company in your mind, right? You like, what are the, what are the companies you think of? I think of Google, right? I think of Facebook, I think mm-hmm. of Apple, I think of stuff. Like those are the companies that everybody knows. I even think about places like AOL to some extent, like that was all over the place in, in the nineties. But like, when you think about businesses and their applicability, at internet scale. So let's just think about some things that every single person on the internet has in common. We all use a browser. Thank you, Chrome, or whatever you're using, Google. We all use a search engine typically, right, Google. Pretty much everybody has some sort of social media, like an Instagram or a Facebook. But even more prevalent than any of those is every single person on the internet has a password. (laughs) Not just one, (laughs) they have hundreds. So when we think about the scale of the problem and and the opportunity size overall, it is huge. It's giant. it's right. Like we're we're sitting here talk. like we we sit here and often talk about, oh, companies need MFA, blah, 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 blah. Yes, they do. And that's the thing that's really critical today because it's all over the news and lapsus just hacked this company and Mm -hmm. that company. But like when we think about the actual scale of what our business is accomplishing, it's massive. And and so if we're successful at that over the next two, three, 10 years, like there is a reality in which we're sitting here in 10 years talking about uh, hyper in the (laughs) same way that we are talking about Google or, or Facebook or those, if that is the outcome.
0: For me to log into us to do this uh, podcast, I had to sign into three different things (laughs) and use two different MFA tools because of the way they they were linked. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and that was just to record this podcast. (laughs) So going going in, no, and that's awesome because the the problem is gigantic and I'm glad to see that there is other people that in the investment, whether they had a tech background or, or not, I don't, obviously someone like Comcast or I'm sure MasterCard, the, the ones that I mentioned at the beginning understand that from a, a technical perspective. How was the, your expectations going into the process, how did it meet the reality of what you went through from your standpoint?
1: So... When we first started, we had an MVP and we spent a lot of money on a conference booth or or on a booth at a conference Mm -hmm. and we showed up and we crushed it, dude. Like we were (laughs) awesome. It was amazing. Like we, we spent a bunch of money on a booth. We had so much interest in our product. Like we were, I think the number five best product in ZDNet that week. Like we were between Facebook, which was Oculus and LG, Okay. like in between them was Hyper, <laughs> and, and, and we were like an eight person company at the time or something. And we were like, wow, the venture capital money is just going to come pouring in now. And we, and we had a bunch of investors come to our booth, talk to us, take our information, follow up with us after the conference. And we, so we found ourselves in this position where after this After this conference, we had like just a calendar full of meeting invites with investors. And then we started pitching all of them and they very quickly realized that, you know, we didn't have the team, the traction, the timing (laughs) for the technology. And so reality smacked us in the face really hard. And we had to go and, and really fight and build in order to get the eventual outcome that we wanted I
0: never, I never hit me to ask this in the beginning. When you, how long was the time period from your like your first pitch to an investor till you got that first yes? Are you talking about that like was a year like thing? Like six? It was like
1: eighteen months. Okay. Yeah, which was about
0: was that eighteen 15 months, longer, months than longer than we thought? <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was close.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, the thing about venture capital is it always takes twice as long as you think it will.
0: And then, how long you talked about was that we're having a circular conversation then? You get your yes. So, how long is the process from yes to, till you see that you can execute on funds in the account based on the budget that you created? Is that like a lengthy process as well? Or is that? Yeah. It's just, okay. That's why so I didn't know how long sure. the legal process comes in there. And, and when somebody says that, I imagine they. I didn't know if this is like a Shark Tank thing and Mark Cuban says, here's the check. I and mean, right there, no. see the lawyers off, the, off screen.
1: <laughs> no, and, and it's not like Shark Tank whatsoever. And, and so maybe that's part of the reason we were so naive in our approach because we all watch Shark Tank too. But yeah, look, in, in venture capital and in technology in particular, sales is, or businesses are expected to have very fast growth. And that's investors want to invest in high growth companies. Otherwise, they would just say, if you want to have a, business that grows incrementally and you want to you know take your time with it just go to a bank and get a loan <laughs> you know, that's that, that's the alternative
0: gotcha so let's i want to get you to, i'll get you to summarize a little bit of what we've talked about for anybody that's they sitting there they've got their idea they're sitting at their home in their basement doing this what would you say are like the, the top five do's and don'ts prior to going out there to be successful and minimize the rejections of looking for outside capital?
1: Top five do's and or, then don'ts. Or, or, yeah, how or many don'ts. ever? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so one, so do's for me are make sure you have a team that you can trust and is in it to win it for the long term. Because as I mentioned earlier, you'll need um, a lot of these investors. You'll meet them several times and you want to make sure you're meeting with them with the same group of people. Two is Obsess over talking to your customers or your potential customers, sharing their stories and being able to articulate how you're solving these problems for them is the most important thing. Three, bring as much objective data as you possibly can into any. So market analysis, trends, research, numbers, reports, stats, all of this stuff is really important to build credibility with your potential audience. Uh, four, practice the pitch and presenting, and just be extremely confident in your approach. Because an investor will say, I don't think this will work, just to your face. And you have to be bold and confident and say, yes, it will work, and this is exactly why. Even if they are a multi-billionaire, multi-billionaire who has backed <laughs> 50 companies, right? One of my favorite things just on the internet is, I think it's Bessemer's anti-portfolio, where on their website, they have a list of companies that they have turned down previous and exactly what they told to the founders in their rejection letter. And they have Google and Facebook and like all this stuff on there <laughs> of when they rejected them and why they rejected, them, which is really interesting to see. And then I guess five would be, I guess I should do a don't. Don't assume that what you're doing is a great fit for every investor that you see. Some investors are just not the right fit for your space. Some investors are just not the right fit for your culture. Like myself and my co-founders, we live in New York City. We behave a certain way. We have a certain attitude and certain way that we approach things. It is not too similar. It is not very similar to the way that people do things on the West Coast which is why today most of our investors are on the East Coast for that reason. And so it's just a somewhat of a cultural and you know, cultural difference as well. So it's about finding the right fit, not just from a, a partnership perspective on the money side, but also on, on just the relationship side that's really critical.
0: Are you meeting with the people uh, uh, that are actually technically competent from somebody's investor's team? that understands exactly the problem you're solving? Or is this more of a business type person that gets it theoretically?
1: So if the business type person gets it, then they will typically invite experts that are either advisors to them or work with them directly to Start vet holes. what you're saying from a yeah, you know, try to poke holes in your technology basically.
0: I was wondering, yeah, what's the thing if you can explain it to a five-year-old or something like that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, they're also trying to understand, like, how easy is this thing to reproduce? If I invest in it, are there going to be 10 people who are doing it tomorrow with little to zero effort?
0: You mean like on Amazon? The, well, awesome. I, I appreciate the, the time and the deeper dive in this. I think there's a lot of people that find that fascinating because you see the stuff all the time in the news that, a this company, they're going through multiple rounds or again, like the company I saw that. You know, I, don't really, I don't really know him, but I'm aware of that went IPO yesterday or rang the bell. They were actually on the New York Stock Exchange and rang the bell. And it's what is, what are those early phases to, to start getting you on that path where the next thing I know, I'm going to see you on the New York Stock Exchange ringing the bell or NASDAQ or whatever the future, the path is. And I'm going to go, hold on. I know him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah.
0: No, that'd be awesome. Uh, best place to still reach out for you is LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm on there Uh, sometimes too much, but yes. I'm
0: guilty of guilty of that as well. Again, appreciate the time. This is this has been awesome, and I'll make sure to have all the links in the show notes for everyone. Thanks, John.
1: Pleasure.